And welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Josh. Hey, it's Dugo over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in again with your head tops. Another one for your head tops. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Dugo, how you feeling, man? Hey, dude, I'm feeling pretty good, you know. Uh, I'm excited about these rookies. I really am. Each week that we keep getting into this more and more, you know, we keep watching more film. And, I mean, I know that we were watching some uh, Quentin Johnson film a little bit earlier and you even made the comment that you were a little bit more impressed with him the more and more you're watching his film. And honestly, so am I. So, like, it's really weird how I'm feeling. I mean, the other day when I was watching uh, NFL Network or something, I'm not sure. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah was on there or something. Mm-hmm. But he literally just called these guys, like, just almost about like all, like, the same caliber, damn near. But mm-hmm. just, like, a different flavor. Yeah. Almost like how we were saying oh, yeah, about like last year. Like, you know, how we had uh, Garrett Wilson, you had uh, Chris Olave, the list Drake goes on London, and on. Jalen Burks, yep. Yeah, like you had all these players, and like they're all really great athletes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, probably all of them are likely to pan out for the most part. I mean, you might have one person who is an absolute beast. Bad landing spot, bad coaching, and bad quarterback situation. Yeah, you have that as a possibility as well. So. It's just one of those things to where right now, like, hey, like, I'm getting a little bit more confident. Uh, you know, like, right now, I'm not sure if we had told you guys, but I had recently traded down from the 1-3 to the 1-4 in one of our dynasty leagues. Yep. And I feel like right now, just looking at those two other uh, possibilities, and even, like, Zach Charbonnet and stuff, like, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about where I'm landing with that. And, yo, so for reference, we play in a one-quarterback dynasty league. So trading back from the one three to the one four could mean that instead of getting a JSN or a Jameer Gibbs after you know obviously B. John Robinson, um, maybe now you're stuck, or maybe you're not even stuck. Maybe you go get a Jordan Addison or a Quentin Johnston or a Zach Charbonnet. Right. Well, I mean, with that trade as well, I also acquired the one six in this uh, year as well. So that's have, pretty important. I have a lot of possibilities I and think a lot that of options. Too, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on as far as all of your Dynasty teams go. Uh, I know right now is Dynasty startup season. Uh, so this is around the time in which a lot of new Dynasty leagues are being established. Are you joining any new Dynasty leagues this year, John? I might join one just for fun. Yeah. Just just to fuck around and see what I can do. Uh, ideally, I'd like to do a Superflex. Uh, but right now in single, one quarterback, you know, Dynasty League startups, uh, rookie running back who has yet to play a game... Yet to even be drafted. Bijan Robinson is going as the RB1. Ugh, like, I get it, but, like, it's a little much in my opinion. Like, this guy obviously has, like, if you want to talk dynasty aspect, like, you want to get someone who's literally, like, at the start of their career and could be yeah. an absolute beast. Like he, running back, yeah. He, you know, like, other than, like, shit, I don't even know, dude. Like, who could make an argument for anyone else, honestly? So, Jonathan Taylor's still kind of young. He's only 24. Okay, well, who are the rest of the, like, who... Who's like the one 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 two one yeah. three? Like, do so, you know those? I'll give you guys the top ten as far as players being drafted in dynasty startup leagues. Cool, appreciate that. Uh, but the number one pick in most dynasty startup leagues is Justin Jefferson. Okay, only twenty three years old. Okay. Number two is Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Number three is AJ Brown, who's a little bit older, yeah. but I mean he's starting almost like the birth of his new career in Philadelphia. That's fair. CD Lamb is number four. I mean, he's kind of younger, too. I mean, like, he's not yeah. 25 yet. Yeah. So, CeeDee Lamb is four, and Bijan is five. He's the first running back off the board in most Dynasty startup leagues. 
Now, immediately after Bijan at pick six is Jonathan Taylor, who's mm-hmm. the RB2. And then Christian McCaffrey is seven as RB3. Mm-hmm. Uh, finishing out, uh, you have Chris Olave as the eighth pick, so the wide receiver five. Uh, I'm okay with that. Jalen Waddle's wide receiver six at pick nine. Mm-hmm. And Garrett Wilson, my boy, is at 110. He's the wide receiver seven uh, taken off the board. So two interesting things that I see from that is, one, wide receivers are flying off the board in Dynasty Leagues early, which shows a trend towards, you know, people want these wide receivers who are maybe prone to have longer careers. Right. As opposed to some of these top-end, you know, running backs. I mean, definitely in Dynasty Leagues. I mean, if you look at the amount of uh, contracts that a wide receiver can get compared to a running back, Mm It's just, it's insurmountable right now. Like, if you're lucky, you can get a running back with three contracts. That's, like, if you're absolutely lucky. That's, like, Derrick Henry, essentially. Basically. Like, that's, like, you got to pop on a motherfucker like that. And I think Bijan could be one of those cats. Yeah. He could be. But, like, all those other guys that you had just mentioned, like, those are all motherfuckers who have either been on their second or third contract or getting onto their second contract or... These guys are also, I mean, just younger guys who are top-tier wide receivers. If you have the 1-5 and a one-quarterback dynasty startup draft, are you comfortable taking Bijan Robinson as the first running back off the board? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm... It's a little tough right now, obviously, without him just even being drafted yet. I mean, mm-hmm. wherever he goes, though, I feel like he's going to be... We don't even know what team he's going to play for. I mean, that's what I'm alluding to. But, I mean, it's one of those things to where, like, wherever he goes, you know that he's going to be absolutely a dog and the workhorse and probably more than likely a three-down back. Would you rather have Bijan or C.D. Lamb? Probably Bijan if I'm starting up a dynasty yeah. league. Go solidify that young running back. And, like, that's the thing. Jonathan Taylor is RB2, and I know he had a bad year. But he still is, you know, playing behind one of the most expensive offensive lines, which... Mm. Presumably, they could be good. They could go back to being good. Uh, they're going to be bringing in a new quarterback, so he'll probably still be a pretty big part of that offensive game plan as they introduce the new quarterback. But if they draft a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young and that offense starts to pick up, ideally, Jonathan Taylor would be in the situation to get more goal line carries. Right. Which would, you know, touchdowns would proceed, and that would be kind of good for fantasy. And so if it's me, I'm probably taking Jonathan Taylor. But I'm also a more conservative kind of, and like I guess you could say like investor or a drafter. I like getting those guys that I know what I'm getting from them, and I know how I can structure my team. And then typically in a startup draft, I'll take my, you know, like swings for the fences. Somewhere in like the third, fourth, fifth round, but not as early as my first. My first is my prize. That is my gold. I can understand it. Uh, but personally, I think I'm probably taking Jonathan Taylor right now above Bijan. At least until we know where Bijan lands. Jahan, maybe that's why you've never won anything before. That's hey, bro. Hey, bro. Don't, don't, sometimes don't, you gotta, sometimes, no, 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 sometimes no, you do no. have to take a swing See, in the first round. To, we we ain't starting that narrative. Nope. Sometimes you do have to take a swing in the first round. And that's why I think taking a Bijan Robinson is perfectly okay. Like, I think that the guy is an absolute dog. I think that when you look at all these measurables... I mean, he does everything that you want him to do. I mean, his combine was basically the same as JT's, but he's, what, like three uh, years younger? Mm-hmm. Of course I'm going to take this guy in a dynasty league. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't care where he goes. I know he's going to be an absolute dog. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be, I like, if I take him, I know he's going to take care of the rest. 
Speaking of running backs and speaking of, you know, somewhat younger running backs, uh, Rashad White is now entering his second year into the NFL. Bro, that it's going to be kind of icy with him uh, without uh, Leonard Fournette there. Yeah. That's... I mean, you know that obviously with a younger team like that, you're going to have to rely on the run game, especially a defensive head coach like that. Like, you know that you want to take control of the game, control the clock. So what do you do? You run the ball a little bit more. I think that when you look at him coming out of the backfield as far as like a pass catcher as well, I mean, he showed dominance in that this year. Like, he was really good. So I think that Rashad White right now honestly has really good upside coming into this into this year. I mean, they got to fix up a little bit of their offensive line there with the Buccaneers, but other than that, dog, like, I think that it's going to be pretty icy. I mean, last year when in a limited role, he was still pretty all right. And that was also as a rookie as well, nonetheless. So for reference, Rashad White, running back for the Buccaneers, uh, six foot two fourteen. He's only twenty four years old. One year into the pros, uh, last season Rashad White had four hundred and eighty one rushing yards with only one rushing touchdown. You know that's kind of that. That is what it is. He was running behind Leonard Fournette most of the season. But one thing that really caught my attention in terms of his stats was he had fifty eight targets uh, coming out of the backfield, mm-hmm. and he caught fifty of them. He had two touchdowns through the air, but catching 50 passes as a running back, that's that's pretty impressive, is it not? So when I look at Rashad White and I look at the fact that the Buccaneers are probably going to be playing from behind, I know Baker Mayfield, I don't know if he's the first quarterback that comes to mind in terms of, you know, providing uh, running backs with those like dump offs and things like that. But I do think that if he has that receiving upside, Rashad White, with more opportunity, you know, on the ground or possibly in goal line situations, could be someone who could be a pretty solid RB2 for you. Um, If I had to rank Rashad White as of, you know, let's say April 1st, 2023, uh, before the NFL draft happens in case he loses, you know, his spot, I'd probably have Rashad as a RB2 uh, going into next year. But I guess, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would be very safe to say around that. Uh, I'd probably say, if you want to be safe about it, I'd probably say lower RB2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he definitely is going to be around one of those top-tier guys. I think unless uh, they go out and they draft someone around like the second or third round this year, yep. I think that that backfield should be his. Yep. Um, and like I said, with all that being said, I think that he has some pretty good upside coming into this year. Yeah. I guess... Let's talk about dynasty leagues now. What sort of capital would you have to give up to like get this guy? Or if you're an owner, what would you need to get in return for someone like this? I think just because of how deep the running back class is coming into this year, and you know, uh, you're talking about getting starting caliber running backs going into the second round. Mm-hmm. I would probably trade if I'm playing in a one quarterback uh, dynasty league. Let's say ten teams. Mm-hmm. I would probably trade the two ten to three one. Okay, so you're saying from last year to this year, he because I feel like he his ADP last year is like around the middle of the second round. So you're saying that he's yeah. losing value. Um, I wouldn't say that. I just think the running back class this year is stronger. Interesting. So you're talking about in the second round of a ten team one quarterback league. You would see guys like Sean Tucker, Kendra Miller, Tajay Spears coming off the board. Right. Anywhere between like the beginning of the second to like the two seven two eight. Now all those guys could potentially end up in situations in which they could also start, and they're also talented. 
Uh, I think for Rashad White, I don't know if you're buying him at the same premium that you got him at last year. Okay. Just because he didn't like pop out and do anything crazy. Last well, season. I mean, I feel like that set you, that you just wrote off about the 50 receptions with the 58 targets, I feel like that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that much as a rookie, I mean, that shows what they want to do with mm-hmm. him. But in, in terms of, like, let's say PPR leagues, he still only averaged eight points a game, um, which, I mean... As a rookie, is pretty high. As a rookie, I mean, that's cool. Like, you you throw that in your flux and you're chilling, dog. Yeah. And, like, even, like, for that, for reference, last season... Uh, Rashad White ended the season in standard leagues as RB42 and in PPR leagues as RB36. Yeah, so I definitely think he's going to see much more of an upgrade. So I absolutely yeah. think that he's going to be at least a lower end. Yep. I could see him in like low end 20s, potentially high teens yeah. uh, moving forward. That's kind of where I was thinking as well, yeah. Yo, uh, speaking of rankings though, and speaking of players, I want to talk about, uh, I guess these are somewhat younger players. Okay. What's up? Uh, Michael Pittman and Marquise Brown are two. Oof, okay. Two receivers, they're, you know, like mid-20s. Uh, they're both a part of the new situations, right? So, Michael Pittman's going to be, obviously, you know, wide receiver one for the Colts, and they're going to be getting a new quarterback. Yep. Right? So, they have a new all, they have a new head coach, they're going to get a new quarterback, so he's essentially, you know, he might get a new chance to be, I guess, revitalized. Right. Uh, and you look at Marquise Brown, and we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins might be leaving. They also got a new head coach, mm-hmm. and he's presumably also going to be wide receiver one uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, between Michael Pittman and Marquise Brown, who would you feel safer having in dynasty leagues moving forward? You know, some might call me a hater for this, but I'm going to go with Michael Pittman. Okay, why? I like Michael Pittman more because I think that right now uh, he has the the offensive head coach. The other head coach is defensive-minded. And when you look at it, I feel like Kyler is such a question mark right now compared to, I feel like regardless of the three that they get between C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and uh, Anthony Richardson, I I damn near might call those three better prospects, in my opinion, than Kyler Murray. I feel like Kyler Murray is just such a headache when it comes to his personal life and stuff like that, and when it comes to actually getting down and gritty to playing football, there's just something missing. Yep. Like, he was flashing in college and stuff, and that's all cool, but, like, I felt like his size coming into the NFL was a little mismatched. And to say that he is somewhat failing or not ex- going up to expectations, which, I mean, they're lofty expectations, but I, I just think he's kind of missing the dot. And I just feel like right now Marquise Brown – I think that that trade right now is kind of, in hindsight, not looking great. Just because they could have drafted a younger receiver. Right, and I just feel like he's just, in my opinion, I feel like Marquise Brown is a one-trick pony. But he's only 25 years old. I know. So young. Well, how old is Pittman? Can you get that for reference for me? I don't think that's going to change anything, but... Pittman is 25 as well, but yeah, like, you know, he has a couple years less experience. Well, I uh, Marquise came in the league way younger than he did. Yeah, I, to me that's not a biggie at all. I just feel like with Michael Pittman's size, he's built like an alpha. Yeah, and, and when you look at all the receivers from this draft, like I think they're going to get a quarterback in the first, and then I think they have a second round pick where I think that they'll be uh, getting a wide receiver. Yep. To be a compliment to Pittman. Yep. And, and I, so, so for reference, the last two years, actually Michael Pittman 
Michael Pittman has finished as wide receiver 20 last year and mm-hmm. wide receiver 17 the year before. Right. Now, Marquise Brown last year finished as wide receiver 44, and he missed five games. Right. But the year before, he finished as wide receiver 22. However, that was in Baltimore's offense. Exactly. So we don't know what a full season of Marquise Brown, you know, in the Arizona Cardinals red looks like. Well, I mean, just... Right now, we're going to have to wait like a whole nother year to watch Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray actually play together yep. because Kyler Murray's coming off of that ACL tear and probably won't be ready until at least the middle of the season if they want to push it. I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to go with Marquise Brown. All right. Can you spell out the reasons why? Because I just feel like Pittman has, a, like I said, his body type and the ability to run all those different routes rather than just a fly, I feel like just puts him out of the ballpark compared to Marquise. I think that Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than anyone the Colts can get in their current situation. Okay. So I think Kyler Murray is a better quarterback, former number one overall pick, uh, somebody who's coming into now a new system with a head coach hopefully he likes more than he fucked with the other guy. Uh, But regardless, I mean, Marquise Brown is a deep threat, so he has the ability to create those, uh, you know, long-range 20, 30, 40, 50-yard catches, which helps out in fantasy leagues. And ideally, you just want him to stay healthy. His issue isn't performing. His issue is staying healthy. When he is healthy, I mean, he was, I think, top 15 last season in terms of points per game. Okay. So when he was on the field, I mean, he did his thing. But the issue has always just been, yo, I need you to stay healthy. And the last time he was fully healthy, he was catching passes from Lamar Jackson in a Baltimore Ravens offense that's now being blown up. Right. Well, I mean, just to give you a little bit more context on the Arizona Cardinals situation as well, they also brought in a new GM as well this year. Yeah. So that means that they have no relationship with Kyler Murray. Yes, they're stuck with a huge-ass contract, but that doesn't mean that there's a team out there that's not desperate enough to trade for him. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't know if Marquise is going to be playing with Kyler much more because I feel like that, that, off, or that front office is going to be frustrated with him after a while like i just don't know like what they're gonna do yeah like i feel like bidwell i feel like has hope for him that's the owner of the cardinals uh-huh. but other than that like i just feel like this team is kind of at a pivot point right now and i could see them moving off of kyler murray and trying to get some sort of you know return rather than i don't know because i i just don't see him really being their guy especially with all the issues that are going on right now yeah, I mean, listen, if I was drafting for myself, and let's say it's the fourth, fifth round, and I'm choosing between, let's say I was hypothetically choosing between a Michael Pittman or a Marquise Brown, mm-hmm. I'm going Marquise Brown because of the upside, and like I said earlier, that's around the time in which I like to swing, so if I'm choosing between the two, I think Michael Pittman is the safer bet, I think that he has the safest floor, but in terms of upside, I don't think he comes close to what Marquise Brown can produce on a good day. I I like to say that I disagree. I I feel like Mark or I feel like Michael Pittman has shown time and time again that he can be a one. I mean, he's been kind of mm-hmm. out of luck with a good quarterback for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he hasn't really been given much of a chance. But he has been what you said wide receiver 17 and right wide receiver 20 respectively the last couple of years yep so i feel like if you give this guy a go a good quarterback and actually give this guy an opportunity to actually be something he could actually do it like i don't know like giving you know, those numbers respectfully with those quarterbacks is good in my opinion let's pull this uh so if you guys don't follow us already follow us on twitter 
Uh, our Twitter uh, domain or our Twitter at name is at gumbo underscore pod. So G-U-M-B-O underscore P-O-D. Uh, we put a poll up in terms of, you know, who would you rather have in Dynasty Leagues between Marquise Brown and uh, Michael Pittman. Let us know on that thread what you guys think. We'll leave it open for the week and we'll review those results and come back to you next week. Um, and kind of discuss, I guess, what the general consensus is. Uh, but like Dugo said, he's going to go with Michael Pittman, and I'm going to go with Marquise Brown. Uh, but lastly, I guess in terms of uh, current you know, professional wide receivers, uh, right now I think in a lot of startup leagues, Cooper Cup has an ADP that's pretty neck and neck with Justin Jefferson. Uh, so those guys are fighting it out for a wide receiver one status in terms of redraft leagues, and obviously we're a few months away. Uh, but as far as ADP goes, those guys are fighting for wide receiver one. And uh, I guess my question after seeing that is, do you still see wide receiver upside for Cooper Cup on a team that's rebuilding? And Nah, to me that's absolutely outrageous. Like, I feel like when we're looking at it the way that we should be looking at it, Justin Jefferson has all the upside in my opinion. I mean, Cooper Cup is coming off of an injury himself and he's already 30 years old or so. His quarterback, Matthew Stafford, is like 35 or so coming off of a really bad back injury. That offensive line, they're still kind of piecing together as they go. Yeah. I I feel like there's, other than obviously the target share that he's going to be getting, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't really see much else for upside. Like I just feel like unless they're going to stuff the ball down his throat the whole game and just hope to God that he's able to break one or two for touchdowns, Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, they very well could. I mean, McVay could definitely scheme that up. I just don't know. I feel like Justin Jefferson would probably be the safer pick if I'm going to be drafting a wide receiver. So, one, I think, average that I pay a lot of attention to, especially in season, if I ever have any side bets, is points per game. Uh, so, regardless of injury, that tells me how many points you score on average per game. Right, And so Justin Jefferson was a dog. I mean, he ended the season as wide receiver one. He averaged 21.69 points per game, which is incredible. That's super fucking... That's a lot, bro, for a wide receiver or really any player. But Cooper Cup, who missed half the season, obviously, due to that injury, Yeah, he averaged 22 points per game. He averaged somewhere around close to half a point more than Justin Jefferson. Now, the reason I think that's relevant, even though Cooper Cup is older and that team is rebuilding, is that if he is still on the Rams come, you know, the first game of the season, and he is still their primary weapon, and they keep Matthew Stafford, I think they're going to be losing a lot of games. I think they're going to be fighting for a ton, and he might get a couple extra receptions. Now, you look at a Justin Jefferson on the Minnesota Vikings, they may retool, they may get rid of a Dalvin Cook and bring in another, you know, running back. They may bring in another receiver to go and replace Adam Thielen. We don't know who that's going to be. But assuming most things stay similar, I like Cooper Cup a lot moving forward. And while I think that Justin Jefferson, who has had less of an injury history, who has kind of balled out these last few years, I'm probably going to go Cooper Cup. Just because I think his team is going to be losing more often, assuming he keeps Matthew Stafford and even if they draft Someone, because they don't have, like, super high-end draft capital. I think their first draft pick is somewhere in the second round. Uh, it might even be earlier in the second round, but by that time, you're talking about, especially in today's NFL, you're talking about the first 
three, four, five receivers you really like probably being off the board. So I think Cooper Cup has a legit argument for being wide receiver one. I might take him at value next year because I know he's probably going to dip somewhat in terms of uh, potential draft value come September after they add a few new pieces to a few new teams. Well, I mean, that's a completely different situation. That if you're talking about him dipping, then absolutely I'm going to take him dipping. But at the one spot for a wide receiver one, absolutely not. Yeah, so you're, I mean, I'm still arguing the same point. I think Cooper Cup has a legitimate argument to be wide receiver one next year. Um, but when you even bring in the point that he was injured last season and, uh, you know, there is a possibility that his ADP could fall. I like Cooper Cup as it is, but I'm going to like him even more if his value dips to a place that makes it to where I don't even need that high-end capital to go get him. I don't think if, bro, like if for under- the most part right now, if his... If his consensus is going to be like the 1-1 one, one right around, like that 1-1-1-2 one, 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 spot for a wide receiver, motherfuckers like that don't even like pay attention to drafting or anything. Like they're just in it for the fun. They just take him out of Yeah, game. like they see their name and they're like, oh, I remember yeah. that guy that one year. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to take him. Yeah. But outside of that, I want to move on and I want to talk about some rookie receivers, some guys who are coming into the league, some guys who have some high upside potentially. And uh, one of these guys is a Blitnikoff winner. Uh, so, Duke, I want to talk about three rookie receivers in our Start Taxi Cut segment. Uh, what's going on? And we got Marvin Mims Jr., we got Jalen Hyatt, and I got Josh Downs. I, uh, who would you start, taxi, and cut? All right, well, I'm going to probably hate myself for this because I love all three of these prospects, and I wouldn't want to cut any of them. Uh, but I'm going to start Jalen Hyatt for sure. Uh, he was the Blenikoff winner that you alluded to. He was... In my opinion, he's such a fucking tool, and he's a weapon. He gives me kind of like a Devontae Smith feel, um, but I'm just not sure if he's as crafty as far as route running. Uh, It'll probably take him a year or two to get up to speed with all that for the NFL. Uh, I'll probably have to bench or uh, taxi uh, Josh Downs, in my opinion. I just think that Josh Downs is going to be one of the premier slot receivers from this class. Uh, and there's just so much that he can do that I think can elevate a team. And when you look at the slot receivers, like I said, I think he's among the tops this year, uh, honestly. And I just think that he's going to be all right. Marvin Mims, unfortunately, would be cut then. I absolutely love this cat, though. I mean, I just think that there's so much upside for him. But just there's some drop issues. There's some injury issues. And it's the sheer fact that whenever we watch his highlights, a lot of them are just fly routes that he just burns everyone with. I just don't know if that's going to happen all the time in the NFL. Um, there is some stuff, though, like he has shown that he can do some digs and stuff like that. Like he he can do other routes, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to look for the two higher upsides, it would be Josh Downs in my taxi and then Jalen Hyatt I'm going to probably keep and start. I think that was the other one. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of agree with you. I mean, all three of these receivers have a lot of upside, and all three of these receivers, I mean, I'd, I'd like any of these three that I could get a, that I can get my, my hands on, my fingers on, whatever. Right. Um, this was a hard one for me, and truth be told, I think I'm just going to be a devil's advocate, and I'm going to go reverse order. Oh. I'm going to start Marvin Mims. Oh, and the reason I'm going to start Marvin Mims is because he has bigger size than all three, uh, than these three guys. 
Uh, so, you know, 5'11", 184, bigger than Josh Downs. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is obviously another guy who's kind of somewhat undersized. Uh, but regardless, I mean, I like Marvin Mims. He makes a ton of incredible catches. I uh, think he has a route tree that's a little bit just more versatile than someone like a Jalen Hyatt. And I like Marvin Mims a lot. Once again, thought he made a ton of incredible catches. And Josh Downs is probably going to be my taxi guy. Josh Downs reminds me of a lot of Jahan Dotson uh, somewhat. Okay. Just in having like that great route tree. He was productive in college. You know, Jahan Dotson coming out of Penn State and uh, Josh Downs coming out of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Both of them are kind of coming from like somewhat underrated schools. But Josh Downs has such a versatile route tree. He makes incredible catches when he needs to. Um, mm-hmm. Now, fun fact about Josh Downs is that he actually had one of the better contested catch rates. Right. I want to say 75 to 70% or 76% of his contested catches were caught. So he is someone who, you know, when called upon, can make a few tough catches. But just because of his size, just because of him being a little bit smaller than most, um, I'm not sure if that'll be his calling card in the NFL when you're talking about playing professional defensive backs and outside linebackers and shit like that coming out of the slot. Mm-hmm. And then me personally, I'll probably go ahead and uh, sit Jalen Hyatt. I know how, you know, well. It's awarded. cut. You got to cut him, dude. You can't sit him. It's I'm gonna cut. cut. I'm gonna cut Jalen Hyatt. And that just sounds terrible. Why? The it does sound really that? bad, and I know how that's just illegitimate you probably think of me now. Uh, but when I look at his route tree, I mean, it's a lot of verts. It's a lot of curls. Um, it's a lot of north and south routes. Right. And I don't love that. He's okay. a little undersized, once again, for as tall as he is. He's only about 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he had the benefit of coming from Tennessee, okay. which is one of the better teams uh, in college football this year. He's coming from a program that gave him a uh, you know a college quarterback in Hendon Hooker. Uh, he has Hedrick Tillman, opposite of him, who's also going to be a uh, NFL drafted wide receiver. Right. And I think Jalen Hyatt benefited from some of those extra tools he was gifted. Not saying that that's not given to other players in elite programs, but I think with Jalen Hyatt, he just he has the ability to make those big burst plays and get downfield and make a big play downfield. Uh, but when you're talking about his versatility as far as the route tree goes, when you're talking about all the other like intangible stuff like the size, the metrics, whatever, right? it doesn't really stand out to me as much. Some of this is devil's advocate. I just want to oppose Dugo and give you guys different ways to think about it. But most of it is true. And... Once again, I'm going to reiterate, I think my start would probably be Marvin Mims. My taxi would be Josh Downs. And, uh, yeah, my cut would be Jalen Hyatt, as, as crazy as that sounds. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't love that. Yeah, but, hey, it's all speculation. I get it, man. I understand what you mean. I just think that if you're cutting a Blenikoff winner, uh, what the fuck? I think the most questionable guy is probably Marvin Mims, I'd have to say. Probably. I mean... At the end of the day, I think that there's a lot of things about Marvin that give me some, I don't know, like, I love it, but at the same time, there's a lot of it that I don't like. Like I've said before, like, there's some injury proneness. Mm-hmm. There's some drop issues that we could bring up. Um, the other guys, I just feel like, are a little bit more ready to go. Yeah. So, I don't know. Mar- just- he just looks the most like an NFL receiver. Two hours later. But, yeah, no, I think Marvin Mims is probably the better run blocker of the three, which is going to get him on the field. Contrary to what you said earlier, I don't think he has too much of a drop issue. And he's averaging more than 20 yards per reception the last two years. 
Uh, so, you know, he's doing well to create, you know, separation, track the football, adjust, attack it. And I think he's somebody who could really shine in the NFL. Um, but I think this is going to be a really interesting one to watch because I think all three of these guys are going to be drafted in fantasy leagues. I mean, relatively close to each other. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. But uh, we want to give you guys a sleeper pick that you should look into moving into uh, the 2023 season. And uh, I guess we can, we'll, we'll start with mine, end with yours. Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, Cowboys running back Malik Davis is someone that I'm keeping an eye on this year. Uh, as we know, Ezekiel Elliott is no longer a part of the Dallas Cowboys, so they now have a you know a running back spot up for grabs. And Tony Pollard uh, was franchised, I believe, so he's essentially on a one-year deal. Uh, Malik Davis is someone that, you know, he has pretty decent size. He's like 5'11", over 200 pounds. He came in last year uh, during the Tennessee Titan game when uh, Pollard missed time, and he had over 60 all-purpose yards, so he... Uh, was relatively efficient on the ground, and he did a great great serviceable job coming in. And he's someone that I think is elusive. I mean, he has pass-catching ability. He has explosion out of the backfield. He identifies holes really well. There's not a ton of professional tape on him. He was a rookie last year, so now he's in his sophomore year. Uh, But I think that he is an undrafted free agent that y'all should be paying attention to. Uh, because this could potentially be a Dallas Cowboys uh, running back who's significant, or I guess provides uh, significant value in fantasy next year. Uh, so Malik Davis is someone I think y'all should keep an eye on. Go run the tape, search him on YouTube, and I promise you'll be at least somewhat uh, somewhat satisfied. Uh, but Dugo, what about you? Who's your sleeper pick? Yeah, man. I mean, just to uh, touch on your Malik Davis recap, I mean, I really like him when you're looking at him, man. Like, he does show some promising upside. Uh, he played in some prominent games and showed that he could actually run the track a little bit. So I just think that that's pretty great. And, I, I mean, if you're in, like, the fourth, fifth round and, like, you just have some extra draft capital and you're like, shoot, I don't really know who to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think back to this episode. Maybe you take Malik Davis. Yeah. Um, I got a guy for y'all. Uh, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Okay. So this cat, he's a wide receiver. He uh, He's 5'11", 191, so he has some pretty good size to him. He's a rookie, too. He is going to be uh, coming into the draft this year. Cool. So unlike Malik Davis, he was not an undrafted free agent. Yep. Uh, the guy he right maybe now, we don't know the draft. Well, nah, he's he, he'll be he'll he'll be the draft. He'll probably get in like the fifth or sixth round if it's at least in my opinion. Okay. So right now the cat's currently twenty two point nine years old, so just about twenty three. So he's probably going to be twenty three and a half by the time the season rolls around. So that's one of the knocks that I kind of have on this guy. But when he was at the combine, he ran a four four five, uh, and you know like he just did some of the things that you kind of want him to do. Mm-hmm. So with the size, with all that stuff, he just, to me, he's been playing some prominent competition year after year. So if you're at Michigan State, you're playing teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, those are teams like Michigan, Ohio State. The list can go on and on. Um, in his best year, um he had nine, or he had fifty nine catches for one thousand two, uh, one thousand twenty six yards. Okay, he had a thousand yards and ten touchdowns in that same year. Thousand yards, ten touchdowns is nice. That's right. good. Right, and so that was when he transferred to Michigan State. 
he started out at Western Michigan, though, and he's actually uh, the backup to Dean Eskridge. Mm-hmm. You, you know all about him. I know all about Dwayne Eskridge. You know all about him. Yeah. And in that year, he had 56 catches, 797 yards, and eight touchdowns. And that was when he was a freshman or first year, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this guy has shown that he can be productive when he's in a good system. It just seemed like those two other years when he was at Michigan State, he just wasn't really utilized to his utmost abilities. But I just feel like once he gets into the right system where they're going to be drafting him, so they're going to actually know what to do with this guy. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's a lot of upside for him. And right now I just feel like there's some of y'all that are just sleeping on him, don't really know who he is. Kind of like with Malik uh, Davis. Throw on some film. He's going to, you know, kind of show out a bit, and you're probably going to be a little bit more impressed. Look for this guy in, like, those last rounds as well. Around the fourth or fifth, I'd probably be leaning on fifth. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, hey, yo, we appreciate you guys for tapping in with us for another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, my name is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo over here. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for tapping in. Make sure you leave a review, to spe- especially if you're on Spotify. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how we can improve. Uh, but until next week, we will talk to you soon. And you know, happy fishing. Peace. Peace. It ain't constructing it, been just flowing like the symphony orchestra. I'm conducting it. I crack my knuckles and egg now I'm back to new. I had to cop a bitch, we not compatible. Team on the line, yeah, the love is all lateral. You could not practice for shit, it's not practical. Fuck with the tactics, this shit could get tactical.